This is episode 10 with Pernilla Rose Gronkier. Welcome to the Life Optimized Show, where every week you'll hear fascinating and introspective conversations with inspiring thought leaders from all around the world to help you optimize your business, leadership, and life. Now, here's your host, Dev Singh, international executive, business, and leadership coach, and self-professed philosopher and examiner of what makes the most optimized people in the world tick. Hi everyone, welcome to the next episode of the Life Optimized Show. Uh, I'm really intrigued to have our next guest on the show today, which is uh, Pernilla Rose Gronkier. Have I got that right, Pernilla? Oh yes, exactly. Okay, I try my best with accents. People mess up my name uh, enough as well, uh, being in Australia, so I make sure that uh, you know I, I do my best to pronounce name properly. It's uh, just my little way of uh, showing respect to different cultures. And... Pernilla, it's really interesting to have you on. So firstly, welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, my my interest in bringing you onto the show, uh, just for everyone listening now, is if you, if you haven't read the bio, Pernilla is an award-winning filmmaker, documentary filmmaker in particular, but uh, I believe uh, through your production company, Danish Documentary, you produce other films as well. You're based in Copenhagen. Uh, but mm-hmm. I would almost say that your films have a kind of uh, global context, uh, particularly the film that... Um, that I came across, which just absolutely blew me away, because the film that I'm talking about, it was released in tw- uh, 2011, called Love Addict, uh, Stories of Dreams, Obsession, and Longing. And I haven't told you this, but the way that I came across it was, uh, I was randomly in conversation, came up with this idea with someone of love addiction, um, just mm-hmm. talking about different addictions. And I wanted to know if it was actually you know, a thing, or done intuitively, I thought, of course it was a thing. Um, but I wanted to know what people were talking about it. And I came across a blog, um, and I'm pretty sure it was a blog by someone who was featured in your film. Uh, they had written a review about the film. And yeah. it was a little bit controversial, but the, the blog was fascinating in itself. And I thought, you know, I'll try and get in touch with um, the person who actually wrote that blog before I had the idea of contacting you because I came across the blog before I came across Love Addict, the film. And I realized as I was reading the blog that this is something that people who, you know, suffer this, whatever you, uh, whatever we call it, we'll kind of uh, speak about that a little bit as we go along, really struggle with in terms of they hold on to their anonymity. Um, they're, they're not so comfortable being open about it. It's something that people take very, very seriously, hold a lot of uh, shame about. Um, it's, it's a big burden on their sense of identity. And it just, it completely blew me away that there was so much... Um, so much richness and weight around this issue that seems to be such a taboo thing, almost even more than, uh, you know, if you will, the closest neighbor uh, to this addiction, which is sex addiction, uh, which Mm. seems to be a lot more out in the open, not necessarily in terms of uh, who is a sex addict, but at least in terms of the issue itself. Whereas when you think of love addict, there's, I know from my experience, um, you know, Working in in psychotherapeutic um, contexts and modalities, you know, I've worked with uh, homosexual people. I've worked with other people um, in relationship issues as well, uh, in 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 coaching uh, sort of frameworks and other psychotherapeutic frameworks as well. And I know that people are very very afraid to talk about this concept of love addiction because of how it's going to be perceived to be a bit of a joke and not a real problem as if it's something that only uh, you know is really just an exaggeration of romanticism it's 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 something that is you know uh, something that might ail a teenager and not worthy of being called an actual addiction so when i came across your film and did a bit of research around it and and saw it i was just absolutely fascinated the, by the fact that not only did you you know, make a film exploring this, but a very good film, mind you. I've, uh, now I've actually seen it as well. And on top of that, you know, you managed to uh, basically tra- traverse oceans to find these people who were so open and so courageous to talk about this issue as well. So I wanted to kind of kick off um, by asking you, uh, being a creative professional myself as well, having worked in film as well, which I, I'm not sure if you came across that in my information. I, I know I didn't tell you uh, that personally, yeah. but... I, I want to know how you got into film, first of all, and then eventually how that journey took you to the point of making a film like Love Addict. How did you, how did you come to that? 
Well, um, thanks so much for the for the understanding of the of the whole process. Yeah, I really appreciate that because it has been a long ride. Um, well, um, to make a long story short, I was um, I've always been been fascinated about uh, as we talked on a little earlier the the human condition since I was quite young and uh, I started out in radio and uh, just uh, interviewing uh, people when I went to school. Uh, and simply doing a, a small jobs there on the side for the radio channels. Oh, and there then, you go. Yeah, and then uh, so I think that you know, <laughs> radio is a fantastic uh, um, uh, world of a way of expressing because it it creates images. You know, mm. film has the images, but it, it, it radio really creates them in another way. So that's very interesting, and and. Um, but but doing this, I ended up on a local ra radio station, and uh, that also had a TV station next to it. And and just one day, a, a a lady came to me and said, "I think maybe I think maybe you could do TV too." And um, it was in those days where there were not so much money, and uh, you know everybody that was enthusiastic about what they did and and put some hours into it were very welcomed. And um, so I basically, you know started out uh, doing uh, small TV segments there and uh, and that was very very that was very nice and then at one point my mother thought that um, that I was you know wasting my time and not really getting anywhere in the world so she wanted me to have an education and um, and found um, this um, this ad in in the paper where the National Danish Film School of Denmark um, uh, applied for documentary uh, filmmakers that would uh, that would uh, you know enter and be be uh, be a new segment of the of the school. Okay. And and uh, not knowing what that was, uh, I applied because I wanted to you know um, uh, you know I wanted to look good to my mother who wanted me to be uh, be something in the world. Um, and so I just applied and and didn't realize that it was this was a kind of a, an elite school uh, where only uh, six six students are, um, are getting in every second year. All right, okay. And I was very young, and um, and uh, that was my luck uh, because I think I was just you know um, very uh, aggressive and very. Uh, very just wanting to do my best and uh, it got me into the school and uh, that was a very very um, that was a very profound experience for me because um, that was what also you know led me to do the films that I do today which is that uh, part of the school is to kind of explore who you are as a person mm. in, ter in terms of understanding what you know what will happen when I put somebody in front of the camera what does that mean? So if I film you, I have to understand the mechanisms that I put you through. Um, so I was also, you know, I made films about me and my family, and and um, and in kind of in 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 a way to understand what this media can and and how strong film is. Uh, so what I actually learned in film school is one of the important things that I did is to um, to take care of the people that are in my films to uh, to protect them in a way. Uh, uh, and and also in in terms of making a film about um, uh, love addicts is um, is a really a, a delicate balance because there is as you say so much shame around this uh, topic so you really need to find some people who are very courageous and who are very um, um, generous um, and you have to take care of these people make sure that their stories are told uh, in a respectful way and. Um, and that was kind of what I learned at the school, uh, that, that uh, you know, when you put your father in front of the camera, you make sure to, you know, to do a, a good job uh, because mm -hmm. you want him, you want him to, though you want him to tell you his story maybe or uh, whatever kind of story it is, you really need to, uh, to take care of him. Uh, and I think there's super many examples of uh, just uh, really bad, uh, um, bad examples of, of People who are just, you know, being exploited um, in front of the camera today, um, it, but it's all part of the, uh, it's all part of the media picture. But, um, but that was, I think, that was one of the most valuable things um, uh, that that I took with me from the film school, and um, and that led me to, you know, do films about 
you know, what, what drives us as people and, and uh, who, who are we and, and how do we interact with, with each other. Wow. And, so, um, so it sounds like when you were young, it wasn't that you <laughs> said, when I grow up, I want to be a filmmaker. It was almost quite serendipitous that you fell into it. Yes, in, in, in that sense it was, but, you know, some things, you know, they go on very unconsciously, I think. At, at, at Sometimes I was, um, I was willing to work at a very young age. Um, and that was very much appreciated, and and I um, and I ended up in a place that you know that had some possibilities. But looking back, I can see that you know my father has always been taking, uh, you know, being interested in pictures, and uh, my mother is very creative, you know. So so it's it's all kind of in the blood and and in the environment. But you know, uh, having like a very um, deliberate um, mission. Uh, that that wasn't uh, that wasn't that isn't my story. It's uh, it's it's progressed, and then you know when I got to the interviews at the film school, I remember sitting at the in the in the classroom and and the the teacher going going through the, uh, the what we were going to learn in in at the, at the at the years that we were there. I felt for the first time, this is what I want to do. Yeah, and, and I'm guessing there was probably an eagerness to express yourself in an authentic way as well. Because something I've noticed is amongst filmmakers and other creatives as well, other artists, is that uh, the ones who happen to be particularly successful, and you know, as, as I mentioned, you're an award-winning filmmaker as well, and your, your films have um, won quite a bit of acclaimed in their own right. Um, a, a lot of times, th those kinds of creatives uh, like yourself, they just sort of fall into it. You look at their bios and their stories, and they're not necessarily the strugglers that have, you know, worked very, very hard um, to get to a particular point with a very clear end goal in mind. Um, they, I mean, obviously, you worked very hard to create the products that you've created, but along the way, the only intention. Uh, that was central to your focus was really to be able to express yourself and there was probably something that you cared about and then film happened to be the medium that you found to do that. I, is yeah. that fair to say? Oh yeah, uh, absolutely. I have a very good friend uh, who is a consultant who always says, you know, you're just a storyteller. It doesn't matter how you tell it, but you're, uh, that's, that's what you do. You tell stories uh, in, in all kinds of ways. Yeah. Uh, so when you made uh, Love Addict, or even yeah. any of your films for that matter, but particularly I'm curious about Love Addict, did you happen to stumble upon the topic and say, this would be really interesting to make? Or did you have some vested interest or something hit a nerve about that particular topic? Well, it was it was actually on the on the spin-off of another film that I made, is, uh, which was called The Monastery. And mm -hmm. it was a very lo local story about... Uh, an old bachelor uh, wanting to make a monastery at a castle he bought here in Denmark. And we had a Russian nun come and help him make this, um, uh, make this monastery, uh, monastery. And it was kind of a very small story, but a very universal one. And it kind of took me, you know, this film was, uh, uh, became a huge success and internationally really, um, you know, uh, I was thrown out into the world and traveling and doing film festivals and all that. And on the other side of that film, um, I was traveling a lot in, in the U.S. and and really looking for you know uh, ideas for for a new film. And um, I remember just uh, never been to Las Vegas, and I was thinking, oh wow, that that could be interesting to go there and. You know, there's going to be a lot of uh, gambling addictions and stuff like that. So mm. let me just look that up. And I, I found a great center in Arizona where they treat uh, gambling addiction. But, you know, just researching around, there was a little button up in the corner of the website said, that said love addiction. Oh, okay. And I was thinking, oh, no, no, no. You really, you know, you don't have to, you don't need to be treated for love. You know, come on. It's a, it's a, it's a good thing. We don't need to, <laughs> that yeah, yeah. in the terms of addiction. Mm. And, but I pushed the button and started reading about love addiction. And when I did that, it was just, you know, everything else disappeared. It was, it was uh, so um, interesting what I was reading because, you know, I, I immediately thought, well, this is a story about all of us. This is a story about, you know, how we humans uh, relate to love and how important it is for us to 
be seen by others or be loved by others and and it's 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 a very classical tale uh, i think that this this was something that really everybody could relate to yeah and then of course as i got into my research this universe opened up more and more and i realized that this was just not any ordinary you know uh, condition this was uh, something that uh, you know when you talk about uh, addictions it's something that has like a fifth gear or you know another level but <clears throat> the interesting thing is here that the, that there's really there's really no drug there's really nothing you put inside yourself or you drink or you shoot you up or you know this is something that goes on in your mind yeah absolutely i'm yeah it's just it, it blows me away because uh there's so many questions that are coming in my mind at the same time the first one that i'll start with is in response to the initial reaction that you had when you saw that little button at the top right hand side I'm willing to bet that a lot of people listening to this, and I know that a lot of people, um, if if I was to bring this up with them, whether they hear this episode or not, would probably have the same reaction. One reaction that I had, which is probably a step ahead of that in terms of my skepticism or uh, initial reluctance or hesitation to, you know, take this seriously, is really that... Um, you know, so I, I was in medical school for a little while, training to be a doctor. Before that, um, I completed a medical science degree, and I sort of uh, had a lot of focus on behavioral psychology. Mm-hmm. And then, even when I went to medical school, uh, although I didn't complete it, uh, I you know had a pretty strong interest in psychiatry, and that was kind of the path that I was going down. And so, so one thing that you know we're all very familiar with is um, the DSM four manual, which is basically the uh, diagnostic. Um, handbook of conditions and there's a lot of controversy around this which is basically there's a school of thought or uh, you know a a subculture of people which is immensely large that will turn around in complete skepticism and basically say that um, the whole world of psychiatry uh, whilst it's not that psychiatry is complete rubbish the world of psychiatry is largely exaggerated. Basically, they'll pick a bunch of combination of things which, you know, could be dealt with in everyday situations, um, put some fancy terms around them, put them into a manual, and the reason they do that is to sell drugs and sell medication. Uh, for example, yeah. there's a lot of people nowadays that are basically claiming that, you know, ADHD is a made-up condition of the modern world. It doesn't, you know, really exist. And there was, um, there was a time where ADHD was just... You know, kids, uh, kids being kids, and mm. some kids having more of an imagination than others, and the way that you dealt with that was a different method of parenting. I don't necessarily have one particular perspective on this. It's something that I think, you know, I'm very open-minded to, and I'll always be. Um, you know, I'm not particularly left of center or right of center on this issue. Mm. But the devil's advocate in me does always come out and say, "Well, it's interesting that your documentary um, interviewed mostly Americans, and." America gets criticized for this kind of approach to, you know, psychological issues, basically taking any sort of psychological issue and calling it a disorder very quickly. Mm. So I would consider you to be, you know, um, as much of an expert as the next person, definitely more than the layperson uh, in this mm. issue on love addict. What did you what did you actually learn about love addiction in terms of what it is that challenged your thought that this is ridiculous, there's no such thing as love addiction? It's just normal. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's very interesting because also, you know, I'm not a doctor, I'm a filmmaker. Mm. That's my primary uh, goal in life. So I I don't have the, the right answers or, you know, in, in that sense, but it was very interesting to talk to people. And I did a lot of research. I talked to a lot of people, um, people who were willing to, you know, get <clears throat> to come forward and tell their stories and a lot of people who were just stayed anonymous. Um, and the interesting thing was that, you know, there were different takes on this also. Many people needed to have the label, you know, to be a love addict. But I also met this great girl who, you know, who, who said, uh, that, that said, I don't want to be called a love addict because if I label it, I'm not on my way out. I'm just, I'm just stuck. I'm, I'm a, a part of a group. So that's also, you know, it's it, it was very different how people were, um, you know, approaching this and in, in terms of their, of their own, you know, tr- uh, you know, on their own quest to recovery, you know, and, and I, I got to say, you know, whatever, whatever takes you through the, the night or day or whatever, it's, it's, I think for her, it was very important that she didn't label herself and 
is doing very well today. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that was an p- important part of her process. A lot of other people I met were, were very interested in having this label because you know that was made it something concrete, and they could you know you know go to meetings, and you know there are love addict anonymous meetings all over the world. For me to kind of determine if this is right or not is getting the understanding of if something is so destructive that it messes up your life, that it makes you leave your job, that it makes you enter um, relationships that are so unhealthy to you that you would consider, you know, taking your own life or, you know, simply uh, unraveling in, in, in different ways, then I think, you know, whatever kind of medical label you want to put on it, it is, it is something that will, you know, uh, affect your life so uh, much that you need to address it and that you need to do something in order to, you know, um, stay, uh, stay human in a way or, or stay... Um, functional. Or, exactly, stay functional, yes. But when I talk to people um, suffering from love addiction, I learned that there is there is no learning curve. There is simply just um, a repetition. And that was one of the, the points that I thought was very important with the people that I have in the film, is that they are aware of this, of this destructive pattern. And I have some very, very wise people in the film. One of the uh, great girls there is, is Tracy, and, and she's, she's talking about you know, being able to recognize what's going on you know, seeing the seeing the patterns that she's uh, she's caught up in, but not being able to do something about it. There's nothing worse than struggling with something that you're aware of, and not being able to do something. That's also a, quite a, a human condition we all know of. Yeah, I really felt really feeling um, that you're held captive by something outside of your control, and yes. I think that's how. A lot of addicts feel once they get past the denial stage. But I think, in my experience and observation of um, of love addiction in retrospect now that you know I know that it's a term and uh, there's specific categorizations to it uh, a lot of people do have that awareness but they don't know what to grab onto to fix it as you said earlier as you alluded to it's it's almost like a, I think the relationship comes in as a Trojan horse and brings along this uh, you know gift um, of um, uh, almost invading yourself with uh, with a ghost with a phantom uh, issue yeah. that you can't cri- quite get a grasp on. But it was very interesting that I um, I came across the research by Susan Peabody, who had yeah. actually broken yeah. down a love addiction into uh, types of love addicts. Uh, there's an obs- I won't go through all of it, but there's obsessed love addict, codependent love addict, relationship addicts, uh, narcissistic uh, love addicts, uh, ambivalent love addicts, uh, torchbearers, sabotage, seductive withholders, romance addicts. And, you know, there's a combination of those. It's very interesting, very fascinating stuff. It reminded me a little of um, the work of uh, basically The Art of Seduction, mm. uh, that uh, very famous book um, yeah. by Robert Greene. That's right, I can't believe I yeah. he's one of my favorite yeah. authors. <laughs> and uh, Robert Greene also breaks down this kind of categorization of uh, types of seducers and types of victims. And he does it not in the context of love addiction as such, but he just does it from a point of view of saying, well, you know, this is basically an exaggeration of something that is the normal human condition. Mm -hmm. And when I saw your film, the reason that I bring this up is because when I saw your film, one thing I appreciated about it was that the directorial style had a very uh, voyeuristic sort of aspect to it. It it was like we were really looking into uh, the lives, not in a reality TV kind of way, but almost in a way that, uh, you know, you're kind of you're kind of looking at the characters. At least I felt this. I hope this is not too abstract for everyone listening. I, I think, uh, Pernilla, you'll probably appreciate this uh, perspective, that it's like you were looking at it from the view of the addiction itself. Mm. And you saw that misery and the suffering and almost the patheticness. Uh, and I say that with respect, not in a condescending mm. way, but the patheticness of that situation. And it reminded me of um, one of my favorite films, Blue Valentine with Ryan mm. Gosling. Have you seen that film? Yeah, yeah, I've actually seen some of it. Not, not the whole, no, but it's Ryan Gosling. Yeah, fantastic. Oh, yeah, okay. um, it's, a, it's an amazing film. Um, you know, not definitely not a typical candy floss Hollywood film. Yeah. Yeah. And that film encapsulates something which, you know, is very, very dark. And at the same time, very, very extreme sort of suffering and pain in that film about a relationship breaking down. And at the same time, when I saw that, 
the the thing that went in my head was, wow, I'm really messed up because I have had those experiences. I have felt that kind of pathetic being stuck and trapped and everything. And if I had known that there was this thing called love addiction at the time, then I'm sure I would have gone down this path, um, you know, almost in an obsessive fashion of saying that, wow, I'm a love addict. I need to deal with this. But the interesting thing that happened was that when I started speaking about this film to a lot of other people who at the surface level were quite normal, pretty much everyone that I spoke to who had seen this film could relate to it very, very strongly. And they said that, yeah, you know, we, we've all had at least one relationship in our lives that has just been so dark and, and damaged that it's made us do absolutely crazy things. Um, and it also reminded me then of another film, which is, which is actually a bit of a mainstream Hollywood film um, called The Breakup. Yeah, with yeah. Jennifer Aniston and uh, what's his name? Uh, the uh, other guy. Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which I also think is a great film uh, in, in its own right. It's very different to Blue Valentine, but it's also basically about, you know, it starts off with a happy ending and ends with the relationship falling apart. So the question that came to my mind is, what do you feel, or in your experience, what have you observed as a difference between just simply being in a destructive relationship and being in the situation of love addiction? Well, I think that The Breakup is a, is a cute and sweet film compared to uh, Love Addiction. I would have to say that. Yeah, uh, I agree. It's, it's nothing near um, the, the darkness that you really can, can get into with, with, with this addiction. I think that um, it's... Uh, I would say that it's a little bit what I said before, that... that um, um, actually, what w one more perspective of this is that love addiction doesn't have anything to do with the other person. It okay. has only it has only something to do with you. So you're actually not necessarily responding to the other person. You're just responding to what that other person can give you or what effect this other person has to you. So if you want to talk about you know being in a healthy relationship, you're two people standing in cr uh, across from each other. Mm -hmm. You know, looking at, at each other, relating to each other, finding out, you know, what do you do? What do I do? How do we, um, um, how do we play this together? Uh, whereas uh, when, you're, um, when you're a love addict, and, and this is why the film is told by people who suffer from love addiction, because they are the most accurate ones to, to, to talk about these, these things, because they're, they're in it, body and soul. So... Um, it's it's a feeling uh, of not necessarily looking at this other person, but just and that's where the drug idea comes in. What this other person can do for you, you know? How can this person fix me? Hmm. How can um, how can uh, you know? Can this person can this person create a drama that can that will um, that will be louder than the pain that I bear inside? Uh, because in that case, it, I could use it. I could use this person because it will it will um, it will be so much noisier, so I d that I don't have to feel how I really feel. Yeah. Um, that's one of the ideas. And um, also, you know, can this person uh, make me feel that life is worth living? You know, can this person give me? Uh, a fantasy that I can, you know, tap into and uh, and be a part of. Um, so actually, it it has nothing to do if the person is called Dev or the person is um, an accountant or uh, the person is, uh, you know, um, somebody who likes butterflies or w whatever. It doesn't matter. Uh, the the idea is to kind of figure out how can I use this other person as a drug. Yeah. And I also want to point out to the listeners as well at this point, if you do have an understanding of, you know, relationship psychology and entry level, I know a lot of people would be asking this question because I asked this question myself when I looked at the difference between, you know, just a re destructive relationship and love addiction was this idea of codependency. Um, mm. So something that, you know, I've studied and been fascinated by for years is social dynamics, relationship, psychology, all of this stuff. And one thing that's very prevalent is this idea of codependent, interdependent, and independent, and these three junctures. So I know that um, even the, the, the Love Addicts mm -hmm. Association, uh, sort of um, their research, has been able to, you know, over the years, extrapolate this idea of love addiction from their understanding of codependency 
but ultimately separate the two uh, to say mm. that codependency is one thing love addiction is another it's not um, it's not a synonym yeah but it, it's actually interesting because we made a we made a website for the film and it's called loveaddictmovie.com yes and on that on that website i did a lot of interviews with the with uh, uh, some of the leading therapists in in this field, among others, uh, Susan Peabody that you mentioned, yes. uh, P- Pia Melody, who is a really uh, um, a, a great woman and, and uh, one of the pioneers in talking about love addiction. And it's there for everybody to go watch it and, and it's free there. And it, the, uh, the interesting thing, thing about love addiction is it's not necessarily, uh, as you talk about the medical book, it's not systemized yet. Mm. It's not, you know, it's not defined yet. So there are as many other um, terms there are so many different uh, views on this addiction it's and and there is no real exact you know um, definition one thing i'm wondering about your experience with this is what was the element of denial if any obviously the people that you know you interviewed on your show probably you know didn't have as much denial because they had the courage to speak about it openly but Mm. you would have I i imagine you would have got a lot of rejection along the way from people you approached who said that you know, no, either that, no, what are you talking about? Um, I'm not a love addict. Or people who just said that, you know, no, I don't want to label this, as you mentioned earlier as well. Uh, mm. So wh- where does, I mean, how do you how do you know if somebody is simply in denial um, when they have, a, you know, an issue that may be love addiction? That's another uh, interesting uh, human condition, right? Denial mm. is, is very... Uh, <laughs> I think it's also something that we can all kind of relate to, um, not wanting to admit our, you know, our problems or faults. So yeah. I, I think that um, I was, I was actually, it was interesting. Um, I talked to um, actually quite a few people who were in denial. You know, st- even they still were in um, in treatment. Actually, so you can also. Be in treatment and be in denial at the same time. It's very, uh, yeah. it's a, it's a tricky business in in that sense. Um, I think that uh, for me, the denial that I met uh, was very much uh, about um, not being able to relate uh, to uh, um, reflect on what's going on in your life. I, I don't know if I can explain this right, but you know, I was just sitting having a conversation with with a with a person who who could tell me a lot about uh, everything that was going on uh, in, in his life, but mm-hmm. actually not being able to put it into perspective. Yeah, in it's it's interesting that you it's interesting that you say that because it makes me appreciate, and maybe this is a little bit off tangent, but it makes me appreciate that film is really a medium where we can allow the characters, whether it's a documentary film or uh, just a fiction narrative, to almost live out our vulnerabilities for us. And yeah, I'm sure exactly. a, lot of, a lot of people will watch Love Addict and they'll, they'll say that, well, a part of them will acknowledge that this person is just like me, but once they stop watching that film, they'll go back into the denial and they'll say, no, that person yeah, is nothing like a, me, I don't have a problem. But it's very interesting with this film's life, and and I have these two films. I have the monastery that I made before Love yeah. Attic, and and now I made Love Attic. And the monastery um, is a sweet and nice film, and it's a great film, and you smile a lot, and you love it, and you it's fantastic. And okay, I'll have to watch that as well. I haven't seen it. You just, it uh, you just, it's just such a good experience, and then it's it's just fantastic. And it, it was out, and everybody was, it's been to. F- 70 festivals all over the world and it's yeah. just fantastic um, and then I made Love Addict and the, the idea of making Love Addict was I wanted to get as far away from the monastery as possible it was a huge success so you know in order to develop as a filmmaker I wanted to do you know something different hmm. and when I made Love Addict it didn't come out in the same way it was not celebrated in, in that sense it was People were very interested in it, but everybody was a little bit afraid of, you know, I, ha- I had journalists turn me down uh, in- for interviews saying, you know, I would love to interview you f- with this film, but I'm afraid that people would think that I'm a love addict. Yeah. So I don't want to interview you. And I-, I didn't even think about that, but it makes perfect sense. Yeah. But the interesting thing is when it got out on the internet, 
it has got a great life there because people can, you know, go watch it without anybody seeing them watching it. Mm. And that's very interesting is that it has a it has a great life online. It has a great debate. It has a little bit of a secret life in the in the sense of, you know, the the whole nature of love addiction that it's kind of it's working on an anonymous level. Um it not it's not necessarily something you say Oh, I watched this film and da 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 da, and it's it just it has a whole life of its own, and it's a little bit secret, and mm. and I like that very much. So it's it's it like like people films also have characters. It's mm. it's um, and it has a great great character, and now you know it has a long life. It was out in two thousand eleven, and here we are sitting in two thousand fourteen talking about the film. You're listening to The Life Optimized Show with Dev Singh. If you're enjoying the show so far, remember to leave a rating and review on iTunes and subscribe to the podcast. You can also keep up with all the episodes and show notes over at thelifeoptimizedshow.com. I was very pleased when the film Shame came out. Do oh you yes, know the yeah, I've seen Shane? it. Yeah, 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 with uh, Michael Fassbender. Michael Fassbender, yeah, yeah, he's a great actor. Mm. And and his um, and it was just so interesting because <clears throat> this is a film about a sex addict, um, uh, you know, and 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 uh, you could actually say that the sister in the film is a love addict, um, mm. and it's actually it's very precise, but it's not uh, outspoken, and I don't even think that you know it's. It's outspoken, really. It's just a man struggling with his sexuality. It's you very subtle. See, yeah, yeah. You can also see it that way, but it's a very destructive sexuality. And mm. um, in that sense, the the sister has um, has this, the issues with the with love addi- addiction. Um, but you know, and, and I like that because it was it was also just a comment on on a condition that not that's not necessarily defined in any right way. You know, maybe it's just me. I don't know. I, I think in in one sense, I'm probably the opposite of those journalists that were afraid to interview you. In the sense that I'm very much an open book. Um, I wouldn't be doing this show if I wasn't, because mm. one thing that I stand by is complete integrity and honesty. And I want to know that when people are listening to me, whether it's in a public domain, uh, I'm not putting on a front. It's, it's a very, very important uh, value that I hold. And very much in that same regards, I think when people watch a movie, whether they're watching it by behind closed doors or they're you know watching it with a group of friends, there are things that they're going to see in there which will make them confront parts of themselves that they otherwise wouldn't acknowledge. And then it kind of raises the question, depending on the context, whether it's love addict, the film, or it's shame, or it's um, you know, or it's even break up, or um, mm. what was that Joseph Gordon-Levitt movie that just came out? Uh, recently Um. about porn addiction ah okay i didn't see that yeah yeah you know movies like that um Mm. there's always a part of themselves that they don't necessarily want to confront when they see it in those movies and they might ask themselves well you know is this a reflection of me but it's interesting being someone who is an observer and examiner of the human condition uh just because of the way that i'm programmed i notice that this is happening more and more. People are relating to these vulnerabilities. And I wonder if it's that it's because people are more open to exploring their shadows in this day and age, or is it because these problems are actually becoming more prevalent? I think we're getting so much aware of everything. Uh, mm. Like we are uh, people, like the, the human race is so curious. Yeah, and we're just like we're exploring so many things, um, and our need for knowledge has I I think is just it's always been there. I think that now with the with with the help of all kinds of you know, um, you know uh, the internet and everything is like everything is becoming more accessible. So. And we know more and more. We we you know we advance more and more. And I think just in this process, we we just we really want to you know nail it or to understand it. And I think the beauty of all of this is even though we are so advanced, nobody really knows what's going on. You know, it's still yeah. like so. What is, we haven't defined love yet. 
It's and that's fantastic, in a way. So it's still a mystery to us. Mm. And it was it would be so boring the day that we really define it. It would be horrible, you know. And and I think that you know that's that's the fantastic uh, thing about us as as people. We are. You know, we're just still striving to to get all the answers, and um, I think it's uh, it's also a part of you know what what keeps us going. And and for me, just for me, and and I, that's that's you know that's what I wanted to do most in my films is I want to make people think, and I want to make them reflect on their own lives. Um, so when you see Love Addict. You know, you'd have a little bit of an inventory of uh, checkup on your uh, on your love status. You know how uh, how how do I relate? And 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 I just think that's that's very very interesting. Always, you know, to um, to kind of examine, you know, where where you are in life. And uh, yeah, I think and and, 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 and great gratefully to these people who are in the film. They're so courageous people. They, you know, as you said. They, uh, they, they, they tell their stories so that others can, you know, sit in their comfort with the popcorn and the uh, Coca-Cola and just watch the film and yeah, and don't have to say, you know, this is me or or this is what's going on in my life. When I when I screened uh, the monastery, which was the film before Love Addict, it, it mm. was interesting when I met audiences uh, at festivals that people came up to me afterwards talking about the film. Oh, this was a great film, and this guy was so interesting, and uh, it was just a thrill, and da da da. And when I made Love Addict, when I went around festivals with that film, people came up talking about themselves, mm. and I just thought that was really interesting. They came up and talking about, oh, you know, this is, you know, this is how I feel, and I have a friend who's feeling like this, and all that. And I think that that's really great, and and that's the that's one of the the things that I hope I can do with with my films is to help people, you know, just get other perspectives or you know, yeah. Well, I love think the yeah. Think a little exactly, and I, I love yeah. how you put that. That curiosity is such a driver for human beings, and it mm. it, it means that you know we always have this um, this deep passion and almost this yeah. uh, dream obsession and longing <laughs> just to play on your, uh, <laughs> play on your subtitle there that of, you know, figuring out things and learning things. And if we didn't have that to figure out and to learn, uh, it would almost take a part of our humanity away from us. Mm. And it, it very much gives us a platform when we can see these stories, these reference experiences, if you will, um, on screen being portrayed by other people or being represented by other people in the case of a documentary film that, it channels our curiosity to think about things that otherwise we would just avoid. And I think it makes me realize that when I consider the question, well, you know, considering that this is a life-optimized show, and uh, naturally, when I was thinking of the title of this particular episode, I was thinking probably the only natural title I could think of is that, you know, it's about optimizing your relationship with love. Yeah. Uh, because yeah. it's, you know, you don't want to necessarily optimize your love addiction. You don't necessarily want to optimize, no. <laughs> you know, even your relationships, but your relationship with love because it starts with your relationship with love before you even get into a relationship. That's something that I really took away from the film. And it's also what I've taken away from uh, my own experiences of, you know, very destructive relationships and, uh, and, and the good relationships as well. It occurred to me that in order to actually optimize your relationship with love, the one thing that you can start doing is optimizing your curiosity. Yeah. That, that's it's and I think that's very very interesting also and in terms of the the, the film and I I don't have the answer I would be a very rich girl I think if I had the answer to what love is <laughs> yeah. but uh, I um, the interesting thing about making the film the film actually became a process of also uh, trying to f it because the starting point was actually also the interest of what love is but I actually ended up making a film about what love is not. And and that's just, that's another way of approaching or, you know, getting a little bit closer to what love is, is maybe also to figure out what it's not. And and one of the, the, the great girls in the film, um, Jennifer, also says, you know, it, it looks like love and it's it's in that area of love. And it's just because it's, it's um, it's a substitute. It just looks like it, but it really isn't. 
but mm. it, 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 it looks a little bit like it, so that's why I do this. Um, because wow. I don't have somebody that really loves me, I go to the next best thing, something that looks like it a little bit. And what did you, I'm curious about, what did you learn along the way um, about actually, you know, these people or even yourself optimizing your relationship with love and being able to make that decision or identifying whether something was just the next best thing or whether it was actually love or not? Well, I think it's, it, this, is, this is very much about uh, um, optimizing the relationship to yourself. Mm-hmm. Because that's where that's that's where the whole thing comes from. You can really you you really can't um, expect, uh, and that's that's also the little uh, the the sad and lonely thing in this is is you really can't expect anybody else to make your life uh, fantastic. You have to do that job yourself. You know, trying to um, to check out your level of of self love, and you know, maybe realizing that it's it's okay that you are like this, and you know, trying to. Um, uh, trying to find peace with where you are in life, and um, and I think that that's what I could see from 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 the women and the men who who were um, more um, successful in their recovery is to is to try to to in in many different ways try to find this uh, this acceptance of yourself. Right, and in your experience of making the film, did your idea of love evolve as well and if so then how um i would say i i would say what what it what it wasn't evolved and on that sense i i think i would i could be able to you know sort a little bit in you know in in some of the definition definitions that i think i got wrong yeah I, i don't know i don't know if i was that aware but i can see on the back end here that you know I was I was really looking at you know what what can we what can we all take from this what can we learn from people who are really struggling you know um, in a way that is that is much more um, hard and uh, destructive than you know than you just just the, the your regular uh, uh, person. So what would you say were your top three, let's say, uh, lessons or things that you'd learned or that you would really uh, like the audience to learn from the film? I think that, you know, um, there's, a, there's a very delicate balance in, in, in the whole fantasy. So what, it, what is a fantasy? And I think that, that that was really something that was interesting to look at. You know, if, if you're in a relation with somebody or in a relationship with somebody, you know, kind of check out what what part of this relation is real and what part of this is is fantasy what is what do i want it to be and what is it really hmm. and that's very very important and i i think that that i took that with me and and you know put that on on some relations and thought oh wow <laughs> this is actually just me wanting it to be something that is really not and that makes it a little bit easier to leave it or you know or to or to actually tap into it also, just to you know, have a checkup on if people is treating you uh, with respect, and and of course, the most important thing in in the end is is how do you treat yourself. Hmm. Very very interesting. I resonate with all of those points that you just said very strongly. Yeah. That's certainly what I take away from <laughs> any of these experiences about learning about relationships and loves love. And I think, yeah, that especially that thing that you said about learning to separate the fantasy from the reality because i think a lot of people yeah. do get sucked yeah. into creating an illusion in order to hold on to you know whatever those sentiments are that you've created of feeling good basically and i think that's where really fundamentally the oh, yeah. addiction part comes into it exactly and and it's it's very hard you know it's super hard to you know to realize oh no he's really not that great or she is really not that princess that i've always wanted or blah 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 it's it's just or she's really not treating me nicely or you yeah. know it's um it's just really um that's very painful yeah i have to say though i have to say though that you know inspired from these very realistic people that i've talked to mm-hmm. there's also there is also a beauty in this realism you know there is a beauty in it and then it's very uh, it you become very um uh, what do you call it? Uh, in the now, you, you know, you're able to be more in the now uh, in some ways. Not to sound uh, too Buddhist, but you know, <laughs> just really, 
it's really um, it's it's a good uh, there's something very good to this. Yeah, how do you mean? I'm not I'm not sure I follow. Well, you know, it's it's always hard to break a fantasy, right? Yeah. You know, it's always hard to you know realize, oh, uh, you know, he is he, he he really isn't perfect, or I am really not perfect, and that, yeah. that's just really that's a hard you know. That's a hard, uh, it's a hard task sometimes, but when you realize it, and if you try to accept that, then that's a little bit easier. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm not flawless. And that's, um, that's, that's, that also in, in its own way can be quite beautiful. Yeah, I appreciate, where you, I appreciate where you're coming from with that, actually. That's a very, very nice thing. Um, it's a very nice way of looking at it. It's a very nice perspective. And it's almost ironic that in acknowledging that the person that we've attached all our relating to um, might not be someone that, we, you know, the reason that people hold on to love addiction, or I believe one of the greatest reasons is this fear that on the other side of that is complete loneliness. But in actual fact, if we're all going through this as a universal experience at some level, maybe not to that extreme, but at some level, in fact, what it says is that once we begin to acknowledge that we need to work in our relationship with ourselves, then we're actually not alone at all. We're connected with everybody else in the world who is similarly having that universal experience of needing to find solidarity with themselves, needing to love themselves first. Mm. And in that sense, also, you know, what it, that that in in that sense, love addiction is one of the most uh, lonely uh, addictions, I would say, because mm. you know, uh, being a love addict is actually. Um, um, also, you know, lacking the ability to be able to relate to yourself, and yeah. that's that's really hard. That's really hard. And 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 how you get um, how you get to do that is it's. Uh, I don't have really the answer for that, but I can see that that a lot of the people that I've met have dealt with it in different ways through therapy or through twelve-step um, step groups or stuff like that. It's it's just. Um, it's um it's a it's a it's a hard way it's and it's um some of the the um, or uh, like most of the people that I've talked to is it, there is this image of not really having the right glasses on you know not really looking at uh, the world in in a in in the right way as they say it, mm -hmm. it's it's um a lot of the or I would say everybody that I've talked to have had some kind of great experience of neglect in some way. Yeah. Not necessarily, uh, you know, it's, um, and, and not, not to say that this is uh, necessarily the, the starting point for, there's a lot of theories on this, but for some reason you have that, maybe that experience also gave you some other glasses on. Hmm. So you view the world like with, okay, I see now that, you know, love can be, if if it's your parents who treat that treats you very very badly or you know hits you or you know um, do, do do horrible things to you then um then that's kind of the glasses that you get on so you think oh so if you hit me or if you scold me or if you say bad things to me that must be love you mm -hmm. know because it comes maybe it comes from our parents or something like that so I go now, I go out into the world looking for this. Uh, and when I meet it and I find it, I would think that if this guy treats me really bad and if this guy really uh, abuses me, ah, I, I recognize that. I've seen that before in my life. This must be love. Yeah. Uh, it's it's, it's only their experience of love and it's their experience yeah, exactly. of familiarity. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And, Very interesting. Um, yeah. I um, I was talking to a friend of mine earlier today, and it's a, a, a close friend of mine who, over the years, we've we've talked a lot about relationships and philosophizing, you know, the nature and abstract notions of love. And I asked, I told her that I was speaking with you, and I asked her if she had any questions um, that she could suggest. And she asked a very interesting question that opened up a bit of a can of worms. And um, <laughs> I'll, I'll just I'll read what you messaged me um, because yeah. I didn't actually understand this question initially before it sort of clicked what it meant but she asked is it just hormonal and a biological need or is it one of the steps to intimacy this was she was asking if that's what love addiction is and yeah. I replied instinctively saying I'm not sure I understand the question but 
how can an addiction be a step towards intimacy? And then she asked, well, is it important to be addicted to your significant other in order to want to be intimate? It occurred to me that a lot of people out there in the world have this notion that being addicted or having that you know, really extreme sense of attachment to your partner is not just normal, but it's actually essential. It's almost part of the bonding experience. Mm. And yeah, to me, that was very, very interesting. I, I don't know if I have an appropriate answer to that myself. I was wondering what your perspective on that is. Well, I would say that uh, that, that that is not addiction. That is, I would say that is, uh, that's more about intimacy because if you feel like addiction is, is destructive, hmm. I don't think that your friend, it doesn't sound like it has a destructive uh, pattern with her husband. I think it's it. It feels like maybe she feels she's addicted to him because she can't live without him, and it's and she loves him very much. But that's probably because she, you know, uh, she she sees this man and and she realizes who he is, and he's very happy with, uh, and she's very happy with where she's she's at. And maybe she thinks, oh, if he leaves me, I'll I'll fall I'll fall to pieces. <clears throat> I think that. When you talk about addiction, it's a, it's a, it's a dark, it's a dark uh, thing. Well, the thing it's, is that I, I don't know if she was talking. Well, no, it's interesting because I, I don't know if she was talking about her experience or not. But one thing that uh, occurred to me was that some people will feel that um, if they're they won't necessarily be so attached to their partner, but they will have an expectation that if their partner is not you know, um, is not very clingy or not very needy by some other person's perspective, then they don't actually love them enough. And it's almost like, it's very counterintuitive actually, but it's almost like they need that validation of their parent, of their partner being all over them. Um, otherwise it's not real. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, that's the beauty of this. There are so many levels, um, of, of this. And, and I think that, you know, um, there's something great about clinginess. There's some also something great about freedom and giving each other freedom. But I think that the, the, the thing that I can point to is that if you see this in relation to love addiction, um, love addiction comes in where it becomes destructive for you and where it's not necessarily about the, the, the thing that you have together but it's, it's, it's all about the process that you are in and, and what, this, what this means to you. And if it unravels your life, if it um, makes you uh, not being able to work, if you stay in a, relation, in a violent relationship or if you, you know, get mistreated in different ways, then there is some addiction um, to it in a way. And that, that's my experience from, from all the people that I've talked to. Pia Melody said it should be called fantasy addiction. It shouldn't mm. be called love addiction. It should be called fantasy addiction because it's really what it is. It it, it really hasn't got anything to do with love. Yeah, wow, uh, very and interesting. That, and that's the that's the problem yeah. in, in that that in in this in this area we try to look for love, and it has nothing to do with love. Yeah, wow. Well. This, this has something to do with with. Um, with with the things that is in that area, <laughs> but it, it's really nothing about love. Yeah, that's very simple, yeah. but yet um, quite profound in a way as well. An observation yeah. that I want to add to that is, I think there are people that I've noticed, which is a very painful experience for both people involved as well, who will go into a relationship and find everything that they will actually be happy with, but then because it doesn't match up to um, what they need in terms of a destructive relationship, because that's what they assume is love, they'll actually destroy the good thing and then leave and seek out something that is not necessarily good for them um, because that's what they're addicted to. So it's not only a matter of being stuck in a bad place, it's that when a good opportunity does come along, you're not able to acknowledge it and not able to accept it. Absolutely. And and that's also what she said. It's it's really you should go watch the interviews on on the website. It's really I've seen a and, couple and, of them, but I'll watch all yeah, of them now. Yeah. One of one of the things that that P. Melody also says, you know, is is if there's if there's a person, if there's a healthy person standing in in front of you saying, "Well, here I am. What mm-hmm. do you, what are we going to do? You know, do you want to go to the should we go to the beach or whatever, you know, as a love addict, you'd be like, "Oh, no, 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 no." 
<laughs> I don't want I don't want anybody who's available. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I, I want somebody who's unavailable. That's that's the deal. And then they have this she talks about they have this dance of intimacy, you know, that the that the love addict uh, wants what you would call a love avoidant, somebody who hates, you know, somebody who hates to be close to somebody. Yeah. So if you're a love addict, you really haunt that because you know, you want what you can't have. And that's the that's the destructive pattern. So really, if if somebody turns around and says, "Well, here I am," you know, "Come on, take me. I'm I'm good," <laughs> then you'd be like, "Oh no 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 no." <laughs> yeah, that that is I can relate to that so so much. Yeah, it's actually I think, quite. I think we all I think we all know that that mechanism. Yeah. Um, but it's just you know keep on repeating as as Wendy Merrill another great author said you know like it's, this is cute in your teens hmm. it's cute in your teens it's acceptable in your 20s in your 30s it's really becoming um, uh, very embarrassing and in your, in your 40s is if you just it's 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 really really just super destructive this is um, it, this so this is not just something that you know is it's like a teen puppy love this is this is a, a a hard thing. It's an adult problem. It's an adult problem. It is really mm. is yes. Yeah, Pernilla, uh, we're we're just sort of wrapping up on time, and yeah. wow, it's really flown. This is <laughs> this has been a yeah. very interesting conversation. Uh, thank you so much. I, you know, I I, I kind of want to ask uh, what else is happening before the show. We uh, we spoke a little bit off air about um, you're actually working on another film and. I found it uh, very nice to hear that um, you know you really believe in taking your time with films, and it seems that the kind of films that you make are very timeless as well. So I just want to, at this point, re-emphasize and re-encourage everyone to go to loveaddictmovie.com and and check out this film and check out the interviews, and it'll really it's very informative, it's very educational. It is, of course, very entertaining as well um, in its own way. But I know even having this conversation has just reaffirmed so many things that I've experienced, observed and tried to make sense of in my life um and, and i know a lot of people will relate to that experience and and therefore they'll they'll find that very significant value uh, engaging with this film so i'm curious what your next film is about you, uh, you said it's sort of just around the corner uh, i think yeah it's sort of around the corner it's called and this is interesting because it's also a little uh, funny to the little the same thing the human conditions and who we are it's called gene- genetic me okay and uh, and it's um it's it's a it's a human gateway into science, and it's a, you know it's trying to figure out you know um, who we really who we really are, and and in the in the terms of you know all this uh, genetic genetic knowledge that we get, uh, and again back to what we we're talking about, the people are so you know we're such a hu- uh, curious breed. That you know, it, it, it just in a few years we will be able to map out everything about ourselves, and and this is a this is kind of a journey into understanding you know uh, what you carry in your genes with uh, from your personality and and you know um, sensitive sides and robust sides and you know um, what what kind of people we really are. And um, and it, so it's kind of touching on the same topics, and um, and I'm just very uh, I'm very thrilled about it, and uh, it's giving me uh, new questions and new answers uh, to life. So yeah. Well, it's amazing. It's it's clear that we're. Yeah. I, I mean, you <laughs> hadn't told me about this before, but no. clearly we're on the same wavelength with a lot of things because there's actually an area that I'm really fascinated by, uh, okay, particularly. We talk soon again. Then we will. Yeah, <laughs> pat- particularly in the area. I don't know if your film overlap is going to be overlapping with the quantified self movement and biohacking and things like that. No, not necessarily. This is this is more this is more into the hardcore science. I have a. I have a fantastic. Uh, I, I make this film with a, f- a fantastic um, journalist and scientist who's called Lona Frank, who mm-hmm. is a really um, a fantastic woman and 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 has all the insights to all of this and is a very concrete woman with the you know non no nonsense kind of thing. So we're uh, we're taking it from the genetic side, but yep, yep. Um, but but still adding this. Um, this whole universal uh, questionnaire uh, questions to it, you know, how did we become, you know, who we are? 
Okay, no, that's, that, yeah, that's amazing. I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye out on this. Um, before I ask my last question, which I ask every guest, um, how can people sort of keep in touch with you, keep up to date uh, with you? Is there an email newsletter that you have, a Facebook page, Twitter? What's, what's the deal? Well, you can go on and be my friend on my Facebook page, which is my name, Panila Rosa Gornker. Mm-hmm. And, and you can also, you know, uh, we have a website, danishdocumentary.com. Uh, which is my company, and uh, where um, you know where where we uh, post activities and, and stuff like that. Okay. Uh, and we all, we also have a website, a, a Facebook page, Danish documentary. Um, okay, great. So and if people know, go to loveaddictmovie.com, I, I notice I'm looking at oh, it right yeah, now. The, yeah, the links are all there. Yeah, the links are all there. Okay, fantastic, yeah. great. So, Pernilla, thank you so much. My last question in wrapping up, which I ask everyone, is uh, given all of your life experiences and all of your observations of the human condition through all of your filmmaking, but just your life in general, uh, what are your top three tips for anybody looking to optimize their business leadership in life? I would say one of the first thing I think of talking today is the first thing that comes into mind is stay, stay curious. That's right. I think what we need to do, just stay curious. Beautiful. <laughs> I, don't know if, I don't know if there are three things, but that's the first thing that pops into my mind. And I think that's it because that, that keeps us, you know, that's what keeps me going and, and keeps me hungry in a way um, and, and keeps things fun, I would say. Okay, lovely. And, keeps, and probably also keeps us interacting. And I think that's very important in this time of life where we all sitting with our heads into the computer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. No, I totally I'm totally on board with that one. Um, if you've ever seen any of my interviews or anybody listening to this, you'll know that curiosity is a word that I use a lot um, in, in ah. as a driver for basically how uh, how I choose to put on glasses <laughs> in order to look at things. Yeah. Just using on that yeah. metaphor. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Agreed. great. Uh, what else do you got two more? Uh, I can't I can't do. It. <laughs> Oh come on! I mean, they don't have yeah. to be the definitive three, but uh, whatever comes to your mind right now. Yeah, um, other things that you should do: go watch Love Addict. That's another thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, just um, wow! I don't really know what to say. I feel like I, I take on the whole universe here. It's uh, it's it's hard to define. Um, if it's okay, I would like to stay with that. Stay curious. <laughs> yeah, look, you know what? Uh, I think that's that's so brilliant because curiosity encompasses so much. And mm. I would say that if I ever get asked what is my one uh, sort of, if I only had one tip to optimize um, everything, it mm. would probably be curiosity as well. Pernilla, Great. thank you so much. Um, well, thank you very much. I, I hope we can talk again soon. I hope we can keep in touch, but uh, even invite you back on the show when perhaps your next film is released and maybe have a chat about that and um, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of optimization lessons lessons in there as well absolutely <laughs> but uh, yeah. Look, yeah all the best with it and if you ever do come down to Australia um, yeah hopefully we can catch up and talk we'll more do. we'll do that thanks a lot thanks thank, for having me thank you if you enjoyed this episode of the Life Optimized Show remember to visit thelifeoptimizedshow.com leave a rating and review on iTunes and help spread the word with all your friends and networks.